Day. Yeah, there you go, dads, granddads, uncles. Happy Father's Day to you. My name is Kathy Connor, and I'm one of the pastors at First Pres. It is so fun to kick off a morning where we celebrate and give thanks to God for our fathers. But we also understand that today may be very difficult for some of you who are grieving the loss of your father or you feel like you didn't really have a father that loved you well. And we want you to know that you have a good, good father, a heavenly father who right now is focused on you, a heavenly father that is listening to your heart because he loves you so very much. So I want to invite you this morning to just come as you are into the father's presence and understand that you can spend the next hour expectant, expectant that he has wonderful gifts for you. If you are new to First Pres, we're so glad that you're here. And we want you to know that we are here to serve you in any way that we can. Because we are about building real relationships with each other and with God. And we believe that when that happens, real transformation Will take place. If you would, kindly fill out the connect card that is not only in the pews, but you can scan this QR code. It will take you directly to the connect card found on our website. And when you fill that out, it enables us to respond quickly to your questions, help you feel much more connected in, pray for you, and so much more. Please pray with me now. Heavenly Father, you are our good, good Father. And Lord, you wish to give us good gifts when we ask. And so this morning, we just come as we are into your presence, knowing that we need you, that we are fully dependent on you, Father, for everything to wake up into a new day, to breathe, to enjoy life, to celebrate. All of it comes from you. It all comes from your hand. And Lord, we especially pray for our fathers, grandfathers, and other men in our lives who have poured into us. We ask, oh Lord, that you would bless fathers with a greater sense of your loving presence, that they would feel nurtured by you and held by you in such a way, Lord, that as you fill them up with your love, that they will be able then to love their children well, love their wives well, love their colleagues and their neighbors well. Help fathers to know that they are not alone, that they're not doing this by themselves, that their strength and their wisdom comes from you and you gladly give it. 
Oh God, we lift up those we know too that are grieving the loss of their fathers or for whom today is a struggle. And we ask that you would tenderly care for them and that they would lean into you as a good father, the best father, the father, more than ever. We also pray, Lord, for friends we know who are struggling due to illness, loneliness, sickness, grief. We pray for Jackie Faircloth. We ask, oh God, that she would have the clarity, the sense of your loving kindness and presence in her life today. In this moment, Lord, in this moment, would you speak into her life? Father, we pray for our friend Frank, who is entering into rehab this week. Lord, give him the strength and the bravery and the courage he needs to take that first brave step. Lord, in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you those we know who just need you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first and then giving us a chance to love you back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Murphy, and I have just a couple things I wanted to tell you all about. The first is an update on our VBS volunteer countdown. So July 12th, this church is going to be filled with 100 kids excited to learn about Jesus. And Miss Rachel told us she needed 25 volunteers. That number is now down to 12. But in particular, we need those 12 volunteers to be adults, not just middle schoolers, so 18 and older, and I had a really uh, cool God moment in the center of the aisle today with a friend talking about, last week I shared that I love to volunteer for VBS, not just because I work at First Pres, but as a mom, and so I wanted to appeal to all the adults in the room to think about the way that God has laid out your summer, and maybe you're thinking, Okay, I've got VBS, I can drop my kid off for a couple hours and go get some things done or work or whatever it is. I want to encourage you to think about your week differently and to think about it as perhaps an opportunity for you and your child to experience Jesus together, for you and your grandkids to experience Jesus together, or maybe just to be a leader in this church and to help children experience the love of Jesus. Maybe it means you need to get a babysitter. Maybe it means you need to take a day off. Maybe it means you have to work later at night. But I would really encourage you to not miss this opportunity that God is extending to you. Maybe your heart's thumping right now. That usually means it's Jesus. So I would encourage you to sign up and to love kids at VBS this year at First Press. The next thing I wanted to do was to say Happy Father's Day. And we have a little video to do that for us. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You wanna borrow the new car? You wanna borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy. Super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. 
pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey! Can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Hmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. Dads, we love you and all the things that you say. And so to celebrate dads and everyone in the room, after the service today, we're going to have free Kona ice out on the sidewalk. So please enjoy one on us. Thanks. Abraham, who is considered to be the father of our faith, was given an amazing promise by God. When God said to Abraham, I am going to bless you so that people will be blessed through you. The generosity of a loving father reminds us that the greatest contribution that you might make in the kingdom of God isn't necessarily something you do, but someone you raise someone you invest in, someone you love in the name of Jesus. So here are five ways that you can continue to bless lives with the love of Jesus. had a wonderful time but he squandered it all to the point where he ate with what pigs were eating he was at the lowest of lows and he got to a point where he realized you know I need to go back to my father even though I messed up and it's humiliating I need to go back to him and face whatever ramifications that may come even though I squandered my inheritance I need to go home and to this son's surprise, his father didn't yell at him. He didn't point a finger at him. 
didn't chastise him, no. He spread out his arms and embraced his son and celebrated his return. That story is a beautiful picture of what our Heavenly Father does to us, not only when we first meet him, but when we go our own way and decide to do what we want to do. He is there with open arms when we surrender, not there to judge us, but to love us. So my challenge to you, my question to you, as we continue in this service, ask yourselves, have I fully surrendered to God? Have I fully surrendered to Him? And if not, am I ready to do so? Because He is here with open arms, ready to greet you, ready to love on you. So let's see. Oh 
Happy Father's Day. Woo, I'm on fire. Question for you. Average annual rainfall in Tampa, FLA. Dan says 57. I looked it up, 51 inches. Average annual rainfall in the very south of modern day and also ancient Israel. You may have heard the word Negev. In Hebrew, it means south. Average annual rainfall in the Negev in Israel today and back in the day we're reading about, an inch and a half. That's dry. You know what they need and you know what they use because of this low rainfall? Something called a cistern. They used cisterns. Two ways of getting to water. One would be a well and you dig down into the groundwater. The other is a cistern. It's a hole and it contains water lined in some way so that if it's lined well, it doesn't leak. You'll find people in the modern world using them in Bermuda, white tile roofs, the water runs off and people use it and they find a way to purify it even so they can use it for drinking and human consumption. We have a cistern, cistern issue going on, literally and metaphorically. So metaphorically speaking, let's just put ourselves into a dark hole that's supposed to hold water and it's dry. That's where we're headed today in terms of our own experience in life for some of us and also into the experience of this man Joseph we've been reading about. We've been talking about Joseph and we've been saying that we want to go onward and upward and we're going to watch Joseph over the course of his life in this book Genesis. It's the very first book in the Bible and what we mean by onward is when we get into a dark dry place somehow God keeps us moving forward. And we also said upward, and what we mean by that is we're moving into something about God's big plan and God's purpose, and God's going to shape our character so that we can participate in God's mega purpose. And Kathy mentioned it earlier. God's mega purpose is to bless people so that they can be people that bless other people. It's God's hope that every human being on the planet would discover that they're loved by God and they would run to the Father as Adam just described from that passage in Luke chapter 15, the lost son. You may know it as the prodigal son. He comes to his senses. He realizes he needs help. But he's in a dark, dry pit, a cistern. Put yourself into a 1.5 inch per annum desert environment in a hole in the ground. That's where we are in this story today. And we're stuck there in this hole and it is dark and it is dry and there's a sense of loss here's what it is it's a hard stop on the trajectory of our lives and the question is how do we get through it and is God there will God be faithful to keep moving onward and upward and the answer is yes the answer is yes and what we say is God's grace my heart found a surgeon. My soul found a friend. And we've, we've used the word grace, so let me define grace for us. Working definition, I have two. Grace, the first one is really simple. God's unmerited love. So maybe you jumped into the dark, dry place on purpose, like that young man in the story of Luke 15. He took his money and ran and wasted it. Here's, that's one definition of God's unmerited grace. Another one, a little bit more lengthy. The first one's easily 
tweetable. Second one, maybe not so much, but here it is. Grace, the free, unmerited favor of God working powerfully in mind and heart to change lives. That's really good. The free, unmerited favor of God working powerfully in heart and mind to change lives. That's grace. This story about God, this story about someone who's lost in a pit, this story about your life and my life, it's a story about grace that we know is real, we know it's true, we know it's authentic, and we know it's reliable because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's the only reason you could sit in this room, because it's tough out there. And there's cisterns that are supposed to hold water, but it's so dry sometimes and so difficult. And either we get thrown in or we jump in on purpose or we fall in accidentally, but there we are. And whatever we thought was going to happen is not happening anymore. And that's what we're here to celebrate this morning, that God's grace shows up. God's grace is real, and it is a person. It's Jesus. And when we're attached to Jesus, though God's purposes may seem to be thwarted, these purposes of God will always win the day. There, there may be some storm in your life that seems unnavigable. And in fact, it's certain that we're going to have pain. We're going to have difficulty. We're going to have storms. It's certain that that's going to be the case. But it's even more certain that the sovereign God of the universe is going to prevail over whatever it is that we find ourselves struggling and fighting. That's what we're about. That's who we are. That's the people we are here in this room together. So we look at this person, Joseph, and we watch how Joseph keeps moving onward and upward. It may seem like backward and downward for you right now, and it's going to seem like backward and downward for Joseph more than once, but it's God at work, grace, unmerited love, free, unmerited favor, working powerfully to change our hearts and our minds so that lives change. Here's Joseph. We started with him a week ago, and we learned some things about him. I just want to remind you, Joseph is the 11th of 12 boys. His father is Jacob. Joseph is a part of this original family that becomes the people of Israel. And those people are supposed to experience God and be blessed by God so they can bless every family, every person on the whole earth. That's their job description. They are the center of God's mega purpose. These people, these Israelites are. And Joseph is 11 out of 12. His little brother, Ben, is the 12th. But Joseph's older brothers, they're misbehaving. They're kind of bad guys. Some of them are. Maybe all of them are at one point or another. And so here we pick it up. We're in chapter 37 of Genesis, but we're jumping to verse 18. We're going to read a few verses together. Joseph's brothers are out doing something with his, their father's assets. In this case, it would have been animals, probably sheep. They're taking care of the sheep. Joseph stays back. He's like the COO of the company, of the father's business. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. And, of course, you're wanting to say, well, why do they want to kill their little brother? It's because they're jealous. It's because they've been doing bad stuff. He has some kind of promise. He's only 17 years old, but his dad gives him sort of the, the operating responsibility and authority for the family business, which is agriculture. And dad gives him this fancy coat, jacket, that represents his authority and his dad. He is Joseph, his father's favorite kid. If you are other than an only child, were you or was one of your siblings the favorite of your parents? 
if so, might have caused a little trouble. <laughs> I had one person tell me, oh, I see one over here <laughs> sitting next to his mother. I don't know. So we have a family here in a dispute right now. They're going to break out. In a fight. <laughs> a woman told me once, I am one of five, that, that she thought I was my mother's favorite. And I'm still not over it. <laughs> I don't know if I was or wasn't. I mean, in all honesty, I didn't feel like I was, but she thought I was. I, I think it made me feel good. <laughs> so Joseph was his father's favorite, fair or unfair. And he gives him the responsibility for running the business, and he gives him this garment. It's, a, it's like a fancy jacket, a fancy overcoat that would have cost a lot of money in that culture. And his brothers are really mad and jealous for all kinds of reasons. And so that's, that's where we are. So as you can see, they plot to kill their brother. We move on. We're just going to have fun with this. Here comes the dreamer, they say. I forgot to mention, one of the reasons Joseph gets in trouble with his brothers and with his father is he has a dream and he interprets the dream. And the dream looks like all the brothers are going to be bowing down to him as if he's the king, if he's the boss. And really, they're already doing that because he is the boss, but they don't like it. They resent it. And he's even having dreams to reaffirm it. So they are not happy that in his dreams and in real life, he's the boss and he's 17 years old. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. See it? We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. The intrigue. If you've been a part of a family that got sideways, what, from my perspective, a lot of times it's about relationships that, that go sideways, or it could be about money. Sometimes it's both. This is a very ordinary or normal thing. It's not a great thing. It happened then. It happens now. And maybe you've been in it, and you know it's just really hard. You may feel like you're in one of those now, and you may feel like you're in a dark, dry pit, a cistern with no water in it, because it just never rains. Not in the Negev. Not in the south of Israel. So here comes a dream. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Well, that's a way to get rid of a dreamer. Just rub him out. Story goes on. But when Reuben, one of, the 11, one of the 10 older brothers, heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Reuben, by the way, has violated profoundly one of the covenants. Reuben has had human personal intimacy with one of his father's wives. This is, a, this is a guy who has his own issues, Reuben. Let's not kill him, Reuben said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. You see, like most of us, Reuben is a mixed bag. And we all are okay to be not okay. And we all come in here and we come into God's presence. We run to the Father just as we are. And Reuben is mixed just like you are and just like I am. He has a past and so do you. But we run to the Father. So Reuben looks like he's kind of on both sides of this thing. So on we go with the story. When, uh, let's not kill him. It, why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Now he's back on the other side again. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph, returning to his father. So, next slide. When Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped, ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him, threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. 
there was no water in it. Again, at 1.5 inches of rain per annum, that's no surprise there. A hole, it's dry, it's deep enough that apparently he can't climb out and he's simply going to perish in that hole. Then, just as they were sitting down to eat, how could you eat after you had done that? I don't know. They looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them is a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead, which would be in Israel, down to Egypt. Now, I don't know why anybody would want to have anything to do with gum, balm, or aromatic resin. Does that sound like a profitable product for you to be selling? But anyway, we're on a trade route, and these are things that people use, and they're, worth, they're worthy stuff. And so these, these traders are on their way to sell down in Egypt, which is south of where we are. Judah said to his brothers, again, one of the brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? They see these Ishmaelite traders coming. We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those guys. Let's just sell him to these Ishmaelite traders. After all, he's our own blood, our brother, our own flesh and blood. In other words, he's our brother and we don't like him. In fact, we despise him and hate him. We're jealous of him. And we're thinking about killing him or leaving him to, to perish from, the, from uh, being in a pit. But now let's sell him off and he'd make a little profit on it because he's our brother. You see what I'm saying? There's, we're all a mixed bag. And his brothers agreed. They say, oh yeah, there's another idea. They're making up their minds on changing their plans every 15 seconds. These guys have group ADHD. So, when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, I'm sorry about all these names. You have to have a PhD in the Old Testament to understand this stuff. Don't worry about it. We get the point. When they came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took Joseph to Egypt. Sometime later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Now, now Reuben is back again on the compassionate brotherly side. He went back to his brothers and lamented, The boy is gone. What will I do now? Watch this. The intrigue continues. Then the brothers killed a goat, dipped Joseph's robe in the blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You're following this? These guys are bad dudes. They are just lying all over the place. Their father, of course, recognized it immediately. He said, yes, it's my son's robe, his heart breaking. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. And you can feel the profound sorrow and sadness, the lament in his heart. Jacob tears his clothes, dresses himself in burlap. That would be a cultural way of saying, I, I'm grieving. It's lament. It's a way of signaling to anybody that you are in, you're in grief. He mourned deeply for his son for a long time. So we had Joseph in a cistern. Now we have his father, Jacob, in a dark, dry place. Joseph is out, but Joseph doesn't know what's coming next. And you've got to come back to find out yourself. Unless you want to read ahead and then come back. It's Genesis chapter 37. Keep reading. Oh, you're not going to believe this story. It's phenomenal what happens. 
But here we are, grieved, deeply mourned for his son for a long time. His family all tried to comfort him. Even the brothers that did it? Here they are again, back all over the place about their integrity. But he refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son, he would say. And then he would weep. It's the case that I have a couple of friends who are fathers who are mourning their children who have died. In fact, one friend found his son dead in his bedroom this very Tuesday morning, this week. A couple of people in the room are friends with the friend. There's just nothing, there's just nothing like it. Some of you moms, we talked about this before, there's nothing like the deep, dark, dry wall of a child who you have to bury. You just it can't possibly get any worse. I don't know, I don't know what could be worse. It's a bad place. You're in a hole. You're up against a wall. And the trajectory of your life, hard stop. Because now it's always going to be different. Always. And that's where Jacob is. He's in a really, really hard place. The story is going to stop abruptly. We'll hear the last line. Meanwhile... The Midianite traders, those are the people that bought Joseph from his deceiving brothers. The traders arrived in Egypt. Watch what happens next. You're not going to believe this. They sell Joseph off to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful person on the planet at the time. Period. There's no question about it. The king of Egypt in this point in history would be the most powerful leader in the world. Potiphar was a captain of the palace guard. Ooh, there's intrigue. This writer is, is piquing you, piquing me. Keep reading. Joseph, do you think he has any idea what's going to happen to him next? See, we know that his dad, Jacob, is in a metaphorical pit of mourning and despair. And Joseph has to be scared to death. His brothers, he knows, have lied and cheated and sold him off. And now he's in a foreign country. He doesn't speak their language. He doesn't know anything that's going to happen to him. And he is in, owned now by a person that is a senior vice president for the, the Pharaoh of Egypt. I think you ought to be wanting to read more. And I hope you will, because this is going to get better and better and better. God's purposes, remember, Kathy said it, I'm repeating it on purpose. Abraham was going to be the person that God picked, and Abraham was going to have a great big family, and God was going to bless that great big family. And through that family, every human being on the planet gets blessed. That's who Jesus is. But see, you got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, father of Joseph. And the whole thing is coming apart at the seams. It looks to me like God's purposes to bless all the families of the earth aren't even getting out of the starting gate because the family that's supposed to be the family that's blessed is sideways, dysfunction fest, hate, intrigue, attempted murder. How could God's purposes possibly be accomplished when this is going on? And yet, you know what? Grace can see in the dark. 
God's grace is bigger than this chaos that's broken out? Will God's purposes to bless the whole planet be thwarted by a bunch of deceiving brothers? No, they will not. Remember, we go through this lineage from Abraham. You know where we end up? Bethlehem, Jesus. We're going to get there. You know how this story turns out already. But man, the details in between, God shows off. There's only one way to explain what happens. Because all these human beings mess it up over and over again. The only way that God could possibly bless all the families of the earth is through God. Through something that's bright and shining. And it's going to end up being the person Jesus. But Joseph is going to end up looking pretty good. Spoiler alert. He keeps it above. He doesn't go low. Joseph remains faithful to God. And does he get tested? When, we go, when we're in a dark place, when we're in a pit, when we're in a dry cistern, we have two choices. When we get through it, we can be bitter or we can be better. Bitter means resentful. Even though that season ended, I'm angry. It's their fault. I hold it against them. And I might go all the way to my grave, never resolving. But what does better mean? I don't want to be bitter about what happened to me. I want to be better. And what better means is this. I don't understand it completely. I can't comprehend it. But I'm going to surrender and trust to you. Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to surrender and trust to you. It could be your job. I know someone very recently who was plain, flat out, reversed and lied to. I think it was a lie. Was hearing one thing and then all of a sudden, bam, overnight, communicated with in a way that was kind of cheesy and was said the opposite. It had a direct impact on job. It hurts. That hurts. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you're wrestling with or somebody you know is wrestling with an addiction, somebody you care about. And man, if there's ever a dark place. We have a friend, Kathy mentioned, will remain nameless, who's a part of our ministry on the street. And this is a person who's struggled with homelessness but also with addiction. And this person has made the wise and brave decision to keep moving forward and is going to go into treatment. I'm not even going to say his name, but he's going to do it. Ah, dark place but seeing some light. Res believe me, if you're trying to recover, resentment doesn't work. It keeps you in addiction. That's what resentment does. Maybe it's a relationship. There's a person who I know, who knows that I'm going to say this, and this person was married, had three kids, and the marriage didn't make it, and this person married someone else, and that person had some kids, and so there's kids, but what this man did is this man did all the right things, not bitter, better, did all the right things in the new context, including walking with his ex-wife and his children he had with her through what became her death as she lost a battle with cancer. And I have corresponded with this family in a couple of ways, and everybody knows that dad is a really, really good father. Dry pit? Dark? Certainly. Lots of difficulty. I mean, er, anybody in the room who's had a marriage that didn't work, you know how hard that is. 
And so we have to press. I don't want to be a bitter person. I want to be a better person, but it can only happen if God shows up, which is another way of saying trust, surrender, that even that can't thwart God's good purposes. That's what we're trying to say here. Grace, right now, in the present. I get a chance to illustrate this quoting from U2, the great rock band of the 80s. How y'all like that? They had a song called 40, subtitle, How Long? Do you know what 40 is? Psalm 40. Yes, the book of Psalms. Bono is singing Psalm 40, verses 1, 2, 3. I just happen to have them here. I waited patiently for the Lord. This is not, the, 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 I'm sorry, this isn't the translation he sang. But here it is. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Listen carefully. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Certainly the psalmist was thinking about a dry or near dry cistern. Maybe a little mud in the bottom. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. Out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied, steadied me as I walk along. And now here's the great part. Here's grace showing up. I will sing. I will sing a new song, says Bono in the translation. Singing a hymn of praise to God. Many will see. Many will see and hear and be amazed at what God has done. That's grace showing up. And see, if, if you're writing about being in a pit and somehow you're rescued, there's only one explanation. And the explanation is the God of the universe shows up and no other explanation makes any sense. That's what we're talking about here. And our choice is to surrender and to trust and to attach ourselves. Zip tie yourself to Jesus. Velcro yourselves to Jesus. Monster glue your gorilla glue yourself to him. Whatever you got to do, just get next to him. Follow him around. He'll, the fragrance of him will fall off on you and you'll become more like him. But he will rescue you and he will rescue me because grace says you come as you are. My arms are open. Run to the Father. I have an assignment for you. This is what I want you to do. See, there's almost nobody who doesn't have a story. People have stories. And if there's, I want you to on purpose and intentionally ask someone to have coffee with you or ask someone to have lunch with you or ask someone to spend 45 minutes or hour with you. And this is what I want you to do with them. I want you to say to them, tell me your story. And my hunch is, you choose that person wisely, you're going to hear somebody say all the elements that we just heard from Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. You're going to hear about a dark place, a dry place, and you're going to hear about somehow being restored, and you're going to hear about grace, and you're probably going to hear that somehow this person says, I don't know how, I can't explain it, I don't know how it happened, but somehow God in Christ showed up in my life, and I'm no longer in that dark place anymore. That's what we're going to do, friends. Interact with each other. Find out about each other's stories. And come back to hear more about Joseph's story. Let me pray for us.
gracious God, we know that there's going to be difficulty in life. In fact, you say, Jesus, you say that in this life there will be trouble, but don't be afraid, don't give up, don't quit. I have overcome the trouble, and yes, you have. And we know that in finality, in the resurrection, you've, de you've defeated all things that are wrong, that are evil, that are working against your purposes. But when we're in the middle of the pit, man, it's hard. So give us the strength, gracious God, to trust you. Give us the strength to believe in you, even when we don't understand it knowing that you have worked and you will work and you have been working and we're going to be people that find ourselves rescued. So we can then be a part of your big story. We're going to be blessed so that we can go and love other people the way we've been loved. That's why we showed up today. That's who we want to be. We want to be people, gracious God, that surrender to you and then share your love with people that don't know they're loved. All of this in the name of Jesus who invites us to run to him. Amen. My friends, celebrating Father's Day, celebrating a great father, celebrating grace, jump up now and let's reprise just one of these great songs we have sung this morning. <laughs>